So it is the morning after the cabinet reshuffle the night before and as a contributor and analyst for Times Live, I tried to put my hat on, use my experience as a political analyst and a journalist that has been watching politics in this country for my entire professional life closely to think about whether or not there's anything interesting, illuminating, different I might be able to tell you in terms of how I see it. I thought I could also bring in other voices, which I might do in a couple of other episodes. But in the immediate aftermath of the announcement, I know that many of you who listen to Eusebius on Times Live and who follow me and my other colleagues on Times Live probably would like to have a, what we call in the industry, hot take. And to be honest, I've got nothing deep and interesting to say to you because I think the overall top line truth about Mr. Ramaphosa doesn't change just because he makes announcements. So perhaps there's a couple of points I can make that will underscore a view of mine about his poor leadership that I think you are now familiar with, including my very last analysis piece that was put up on timeslive.co.za just um, on Monday morning. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. What I want to say is a couple of things. The first is this cabinet reshuffle, like all cabinet reshuffles, are fundamentally about politics, not governance. Let me repeat that. This cabinet reshuffle, like all reshuffles, are fundamentally about politics, not governance. You would have seen, some of you, how I mocked preemptively what the opening sentences of the statement will be on TikTok yesterday. And of course, I was correct, because it's predictable. Every time the president, for that matter, any president, speaks about a reshuffle, their peremptory words at the beginning are, from time to time, changes are made in order to ensure effective governance or variation on that description. So that there is the pretense that the rationale for the changes is to make government more efficient and more effective. But that's not true. And that's my first interpretation point that I want to land with you. It is about rewarding those that have been doing your bidding, like at NASRAC 2.0. And it is about tactically keeping close those that may be out to get you politically in a fractious and deeply divided internal ANC 
particularly the NEC, that's on a knife's edge in terms of the proverbial balance of forces. And then the hope is that if you bring in one or two people that you kind of like but don't really trust or definitely don't trust, constitutionally, they're going to have to take collective cabinet responsibility for what government does now that they're part of the executive. And just in terms of keeping them busy and keeping tabs on them, you have an opportunity to be a kind of overseer in relation to their time. That is the real politic that drives decisions about who's in, who's out, who stays on. And that is what happened yesterday. I mean, take Paul Mashatile. It's kind of obvious in terms of just the practice of the ANC that as deputy president of the ANC, is likely to become deputy president of the country, right? So that was going to happen. In a world in which Mr. Ramaphosa knew that he had no political poor consequences that would flow from him deciding his own deputy president, he wouldn't have picked Paul Mashatila. So there you have an example of him understanding that it doesn't matter how much prerogatory power he has in law, this decision is, and he was honest about this part, negotiated and the result of various processes that have to be followed, which was him vaguely alluding to the horse trading that happens across the tripartite alliance and within different parts of the ANC. And so ultimately, this is the equivalent of the January the 8th statement. It's basically him owning it as president of the country, but really expressing the on-balance view of the NEC, if truth be told. And that, yes, is as a result of the fusion of party and state in South Africa. So that's the first point. It's fundamentally about politics. It's not about governance. The second point is not unrelated to the first. It's a different way of making the first point. And, it's, and it is this. If the reshuffle was about good governance, you would have seen many mediocre cabinet ministers actually fired or reshuffled. I'll say it again. And it is the corollary of my first point. If the cabinet reshuffle was fundamentally about good governance, then you would have seen a lot of mediocre politicians either fired or reshuffled. Now, let's take an obvious couple of examples, right? So just at a thematic level, probably if we reduce the long list of things that are all important to us, and we just picked three, the economy, security, and education. Those are three of the most important themes of government. The economy is performing dismally. I don't need to trot out the stats about poverty, unemployment, inequality, growth. You know them. I know them. We experience them. And yet the economic cluster is left intact. Now, if you were getting rid of people who are dragging you down, it raises the question, why is no minister operating within the economic cluster from those responsible for SOEs to trade policy to unemployment and labor? Why are all of them kept 
in cabinet if the decision about the reshuffle is fundamentally motivated by governance? Well, clearly it's not. Otherwise, at least one, more than one, but at least one of the folks such as Enoch, Gwede, Pravin, Ebrahim, would have received marching orders, as much as you may like them as individuals. I mean, take Abraham Patel, you know, his dulcet tones when he speaks about trade policy, for example, would make you wish to be lectured by him because he's just so clever and eloquent and could probably churn out coherent and even cogent policy papers until death has do part. But the reality of the matter is that it's anyone's guess, guess what's on balance the net positive contribution of his work in that ministry since day one, by the way, he's been there forever now, has been in terms of its overall contribution to the economic cluster. And don't get me started on both Guere and Pravin, individuals that are likable politicians on a one-to-one -one basis, deep respect for both of them. But if we are purely analytical and empirical, besides how their internecine relationship is bad for the economic cluster, and therefore one of them must go, the combined performance of the two also leaves a lot to be desired. So last night was not about good governance, because was that the case? Then at least one of those two folks would have been cliffed. And I would have thought Gwede in particular should have been a good candidate to be fired. So to summarize the two points, and I really don't think they're rocket science, it was fundamentally about politics, and it was not about good governance. And so the last point I want to make, the third one, is that Mr. Ramaphosa, president of the country, lacks courage. He lacked it yesterday morning, and he still lacks it this morning. And that is indicated by this shoddy attempt at a reshuffle. Now, what he's doing here, and this could be a fourth point, but I'm so bored with his weaknesses, I don't want to flesh it out fully on this occasion. So I'll pretend that it's just part of my point about his poor leadership, but it's actually a self-standing point. He hopes to pull the wool over your eyes by making announcements every now and then once you start criticizing him a little too energetically. And then he thinks making a spectacular announcement. You've got a new deputy president. There's a minister of electricity. I've introduced new deputies for the following ministries. So he kind of tries to do governance by announcement, which of course is absolute balderdash because an announcement is not technocracy. An announcement is not building state capacity. An announcement is not firing underperforming ministers. An announcement is not showing certainty and courage in the face of deep differences, even inside your party, where you build up so much respect and authority politically, morally, and intellectually that you can take tough decisions and take the risk, knowing that the risk is one worth taking in terms of potential backlash from different parts of the criminal and the anti-constitutional elements within your party. Our president lacks that kind of fortitude. And that's why I asked that awkward question 
at the beginning of the week. I don't know who the alternatives are. Maybe it's Paul Mashatile, reinvented with the right kind of support around him. I don't know. I don't know. But it's very clear to me that the ANC has got to ask itself a question it probably never thought it would need to ask when it elected President Ramaphosa as party president in 2017, which is the following question. Is it helpful to have his face on posters around the country leading up to next year's election?